0: You are listening to Making It in the Toy Industry, episode number 23.
1: Welcome to Making It in the Toy Industry,
2: a podcast for inventors and entrepreneurs like you. And now your host, Ajelle Wade.
0: Hey there, toy people, Ajelle Wade here, and welcome back to another episode of Making It in the Toy Industry. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by thetoycoach.com. Today's episode is an answer to a question submitted by a listener named Jun Wong. Jun Wong wanted to learn more about Licensing Week Virtual, so I reached out to the team over there and landed a great interview with Stephen Extract. Now, Stephen is the brand director of the Global Licensing Group. Now, he's here to talk to us all about Licensing Week Virtual and give us some insights into the Licensing Expo, which is the live event that typically happens every year. Now, if you have an idea for a podcast topic, then I want you to head over to thetoycoach.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom of the page and click the button that says Podcast Topic Suggestions. Fill out that form and your topic idea will be added to my to-do list. Okay, so let's dive into today's interview. Okay, Toy People, so today I am joined by Stephen Extract, Brand Director of the Global Licensing Group. And today we are going to talk about Licensing Week Virtual, which at the time of this recording has just wrapped up. So I want to say welcome to Stephen. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm really glad to have you on the show. I actually get a lot of um, messages asking about all of these different virtual events that are going on right now. So I'm really excited to have someone on the show who's a little bit more um, familiar with all of the intimate details to talk about it.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, as the brand director of the Global Licensing Group, why don't you just start out and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you and the Global Licensing Group are involved? with the virtual licensing week.
2: Okay, sure. So, um, a little bit about myself. Uh, I started in, in with a career in journalism and, um, in, uh, in the mid nineties, I was working for a trade, Hollywood trade paper called the Hollywood reporter, which reports on, uh, basically the entertainment trade, uh, film, television, video games, etc. And, um, I was asked to attend uh, a licensing expo, which was going to be at the Jacob Javits Center in New York. And uh, I was asked by my people and I I, I actually ran the New York office. So the people in LA said, do you know anything about licensing? I said, I have no idea what licensing is. Nothing. I I had no idea. So I went to this licensing show and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. It was the year that they had introduced Jurassic Park, uh, the film, the first, first Jurassic Park film, and uh, and Universal had this huge, huge booth with all these Jurassic Park um, uh, products and, and services they were offering, and, and then there was all of these other companies there that were doing licensing, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. I wonder if there's um, any publications that serve this industry, and what I came to discover was there was one publication At the time, it was actually uh, uh, published by a a toy publisher, and so it was very focused on toys. But licensing really represents every area of consumer products. So I thought there's an opportunity to start a trade magazine for licensing, Mm. and so I did. I launched a magazine called License, uh, which is now called License Global, Uh, and it was successful from from our first issue. So the first issue launched in. February of 1998, and we launched it for New York Toy Fair. It was our that, we we were distributing at New York Toy Fair, and uh, the company that that uh, organizes Licensing Expo approached us, uh, myself and my partners, and said, um, "Would you guys be interested in selling your magazine to us? We want a magazine to support the show." and uh so we sort of resisted for a while and then we decided that it would be a good idea to join forces we did a joint venture with them as the magazine and the expo came together we realized that we could actually grow together because um you know one of the things that you can do um with with a publication is that you can really um you can really cover where the new areas are coming from in licensing, right? You can cover that journalistically and that really um, helped grow the expo because as, as we were able to uncover, you know, growth areas in fashion, in sports, in, in video games, in all areas of consumer products, um, we were able to introduce those companies to licensing expo and they were able to realize that by by exhibiting at licensing, actually they could get a lot more deals done. So it really turned into um, again a, a great synergy for both the magazine and the and the expos. Uh, and certainly from the magazine's perspective, um, you know companies tend to advertise around trade fairs, and we actually launch we launch show dailies at our shows. So uh, it was really good for the publication as well.
0: Now, I don't know if I made this clear. Before we go on, I want to make it clear to to my listeners. Licensing Expo is the in-person show that normally happens every year. Due to coronavirus this year, it was Licensing Week virtual. Um, But I'm curious now, talking to you, how? when did you guys make that first decision that you realized, oh, no, we have to do something, we have to make a big change, and we're going to have to go virtual really quickly?
2: Uh, So, yeah, um, it was really kind of... um we, we, you know, what happened was our show was supposed to take place uh, end of May in Las Vegas.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: uh, we realized, you know, we, we obviously realized relatively early on that that wasn't going to happen, that, that this coronavirus is not going to be over by May. Right. So we, um, we went to the, our venue and we, we negotiated with them to see if we could move the, the event, which we did. We moved it to August. Uh and then um probably towards the end of really towards the end of April, we, we really sort of checked in with one another and said, you know what, this is not looking good. Um, you know, people are not even even if the even if the virus is done by August, people are not gonna want to get on planes and fly to right. Las Vegas, right? Yeah. So at that point, at that juncture, we said, We need to really figure something out here because the industry Really needed, um, you know. The thing about licensing and the thing about the licensing industry, it's not based on products; it's based on intellectual property, and it's also based on trends. And so, the need for a uh, a trade show is really is it, it it's it's really necessary for uh, licensors licensees, and retailers to all come together and understand what are the trends, what are the properties what What are the uh, areas uh, of products that that consumers are going to be interested in? And so we realized that we needed to do something and that it would have to be virtual. had We had a lot of help uh, internally, and so as a result, we were able to really cobble it together, I would say from start to finish, literally from from the time we we said we're gonna we need to do this until we until it actually just uh, came to fruition, which was last week this past week it was about 10 weeks so
0: wow and it looked so good i i you. was Thanks. i looked as though it had been running that way for years i was like this is so well done
2: uh again you know what we really had we have this internal group of colleagues that were just so phenomenal and i cannot thank them enough they were just incredible they 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 loaned us their technical knowledge Mm -hmm. they they were there with us to help with the recording of all the webinars and we actually did live keynotes every day which had us on edge because we're like what if something happens but they all they all all came off smoothly the booth the virtual booths were amazing uh, and the companies, um, the companies that, that did the virtual booth actually were able to decorate them the way they wanted to and drop That's in so video. Funny. And yeah. it was really, really amazing. And I have to say, um, we way outperformed what we expected. I mean, how we many had,
0: people registered for that event?
2: We had over 8,000 registrations, like
1: 8,240
2: wow. registrations, uh-huh. um, which is just we were, we were amazed. Um, it right. just shows the pent up demand that, that these companies had. Uh, but one thing we, we found we discovered is that, that the industry really needed a place to sort of come together, figure out, you know, what are the solutions, you know, so a, a large part of Life uh, licensing week virtual was our education program. Uh-huh. Uh, where we, we really put together a lot of really good sessions to help people understand, you know, where's, where's the future of the business going? You know, um, one area that we really put a focus on was e-commerce because right. it's one area that's been kind of weak for our business. Um, typically, you know, with, with companies that are manufacturers, licensees, you know, they'll, they have relationships with, with brick and mortar retail and, they Those relationships took many, many years for them to build, and so uh, when they have those relationships, they don't want to, they don't give them up easily right and mm-hmm. um but I think what they realized is that with those with those retailers shut down during this during this time, they really needed to have an e-commerce strategy. really need to have an e-commerce strategy right right and so so that that really came to the forefront um, uh, so that, that was one of the areas that I think was really positive was being able to communicate that to the industry.
0: I'm curious, did you hear a lot of comments from people that maybe thought like, oh, I actually liked licensing week virtual even better than having to run around the floor. I'm curious what people's responses have been to you.
2: You know what? So, um, people were the, the responses that I got, and I got a lot of calls all week, um, uh-huh. where it was. That it was great. They enjoyed it, um, and we have we have something. We have a matchmaking software that enables uh, registrants to set up meetings. Yeah. So there was um, there was like almost four thousand meetings that were set up over what? those five days. Yeah. Wow. That between between virtual virtual meetings that were set up.
1: Yeah. But
2: um, but one thing that that really came out was that um, as much as it was uh you know sort of uh, important and and something that people wanted to do the need for for wanting to do doing something live is still there and yeah. and, and and it's because it's a trust factor um, it's very hard if you don't know so if you're doing a virtual meeting with someone you've never met before
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and it can be a zoom meeting it can be over video but mm-hmm. you really need to have when you're entrusting your IP, when you're, when you're, um, you know, licensing is about, uh, licensing out intellectual property. So when you're entrusting your IP to another company, you really need to build a relationship and trust, have a trust factor. And right. that's very hard to do virtually. It's that really something true. that needs to be done in person. Um, there are, you know, there, there's just, and maybe one day, as we become more of a virtual world, it will be. But I think, you know, this is for us, this was the first time ever for the industry. It was the first time ever. Uh, And so I think people really do still want that live interaction.
1: Um, I
0: hear you. Yeah.
1: um, Yeah.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the actual, the real in-person licensing expo, because, you know, now that you know, everybody's all my listeners are hearing how many people are showing up at these events. They're probably gonna want to be involved next year. Your next show is set for I think May twenty-fifth in twenty
2: twenty one. That's correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. So how big are you expecting that show to be?
2: So typically we have about four hundred and seventy exhibitors. Um and but but over a very large space because uh we we have a lot of Exhibitors that take very large booths,
1: um,
2: particularly you see it with the Hollywood studios. So we have everyone from Disney to Warner Brothers to um, Sony Pictures, um, Lionsgate, Netflix. I mean, pretty much all of the entertainment, com- Universal, NBC Universal, all of the major entertainment companies and brands take very large space. Um, because they're licensing out their IP and they also are very promotionally oriented. So they have massive, massive, massive booths. And you'll also see it with a lot of the toy companies. So companies like Mattel Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: Hasbro Mm -hmm. and Spin Master and MGA. And what they're doing is they're not showing their toy lines. They're showing their IP that they own, that they're licensing into other categories. You know, so, for example, with Hasbro, Nerf is a is a huge license for them. Um, My Little Pony has been a huge license for them. Uh, they now own. Um, they actually bought uh, Entertainment One, which is a entertainment right. company. Peppa Pig is is the is the big um, kids property. They own Power Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, the Power Rangers franchise. So, and Hasbro. Doesn't consider itself a toy company. Hasbro considers itself an entertainment company.
1: Yes. Um,
2: Mattel, you know, when you think about what Mattel owns, Mattel owns Barbie.
1: Yes.
2: Which which they've had a huge license. They've done so much licensing for Barbie over the years. Um, You know, they own Hot Wheels. Uh, There's just so much IP. They own Thomas the Tank Engine. They own all the hit entertainment properties, Bob the Builder. Um, So, uh, and, and, a company like MGA, which again is, they own little types, which they do a lot of licensing on, but they also own, um, LOL, um, which has had been a huge, huge licensing, huge successful licensing mm-hmm. program for them in so many different categories. So, um, so you see this, uh, it's a show where companies are showing what their IP is. And then the, the visitors, the visitors are, um, manufacturers, so what we call licensees, companies that want to license uh, other companies' brands to sell more products. You also have retailers who are uh, looking for you know what are the hot what are the potential hot properties or what can they get that might be exclusive for them? Uh, you also have uh, promotional partners uh, like quick service restaurants, uh, McDonald's and Burger Kings that do happy meal type stuff. Uh, And then you have a lot of like your constituency of inventors who Mm -hmm. have inventions that they've that they've come up with or ideas and they're looking to actually license them to bigger companies. Right.
0: So this is a place for all of those people to meet up.
2: Absolutely. And, And so and we actually create activations for all of those people and all those companies.
0: What does that mean?
2: So what I what I mean by activation is so if you're an inventor, if you're a toy inventor, for example, we have um, we have a, a, we we put on something uh, that enables inventors to submit their ideas, uh, and we we it's called pitch the brands, right? And mm-hmm. so they can submit their concept or invention. Uh, we have a, a committee that judges them. And then we pick nine of them to actually pitch in front of uh, uh, a group of judges who come from, you know, our, our either major manufacturers or come from um, the invention, uh, copyright area to their attorneys or whatever. And they will help, uh, choose one property that, that sort of becomes the winner. It's very much like a shark tank for yeah, inventors. Yeah, it
0: sounds like it.
2: Yeah, and we, we, get, we, we do that in our licensed theater, and we get a tremendous amount of visibility for that, and so it's great. There's also a lot of folks that come, and they're exhibitors for the first time. They take a small, you know, take a small little booth, and they have an idea, or they have a, a concept, in illustration, or, or, or a, a kid's book, or something that they've come up with, and, you know, one of the interesting things is that it's not just manufacturers that are walking around looking at properties. It's also Hollywood um, talent agents, uh, producers who are looking for content. So oftentimes you'll have people coming through who are looking specifically for something that they've never seen before. Something that's, that's unique, something that's new, um, because, you know, that's, you know, right now content is king, right?
1: Mm -hmm, mm We think
2: about all of the video on demand services out there that are all competing with each other. Right. Uh, and they're all looking for content, desperately looking for content. So certainly, um, you know, coming from children's books is a big area of content. Right.
0: Okay.
1: Uh,
2: but, but any, any concept, I mean, there was, uh, in 2018, um, we had a uh, a company exhibiting something called Feisty Pets, which is a it was yeah. A, I
0: know Feisty Pets. Right. Yeah. So
2: so the, they they hired it was a YouTube you know it's a, a cute little YouTube um, videos that they did right. Okay. Yeah, they were doing these cute little short videos, mm-hmm. and a licensing agency took them on, and we uh, you know we, we also did a contest there for that for for that, and we we follow that we we're like this is fantastic so and we chose them as our as our sort of property to watch one to watch so we do we do that as well we do something called one to watch that our magazine license global will will the editor, editors at license global look at all the new properties that are coming to the show and they choose the one to watch and there's a number of, of candidates that come in we can only choose one, but, but we narrow it down to, you know, maybe there's four semifinalists and then one winner. But, um, you know, over, over the years, we've discovered a lot of really cool properties that way, you know, books, illustrations, um, video. So we, we really try to, um, to, to democratize the show. So it's not just, uh, so it's not just about the Disney properties, right? Cause Disney,
1: right, everybody,
2: yeah. we, we all know that Disney kind of rules the world when it comes to entertainment, right? But there's so much out there. There's so much, uh, new, there's so mm-hmm. much new, new, so many new properties and you just never know what's going to, what's going to be a big hit. Right.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: when you think about, you know, Shopkins, right. Which was, mm-hmm. you know, sort of was this, you know, came from this Australian toy company, Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, brought shopkins to the u.s and it became such a huge 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 hit right yeah but uh and and that just that just happens right that that that's you know and it's because the consumer in this case children decided they loved it right so you really never know you know there's companies that can put millions and millions and millions of dollars behind the marketing of something and it can fall flat and then there's there's properties that can come out of nowhere that somebody came up with, you know, just came up with the idea, put it on paper, uh, executed it somehow, whether through an illustration or through an invention or, or something, mm-hmm. and, and it becomes, you know, the next big, next big trend. So,
0: yeah. So I'm, I'm hearing from what you're saying that this is a good show for toy inventors, maybe entrepreneurs who have ideas for IP. But I'm just curious now, say I am a toy inventor and entrepreneur and I get a booth. Um, how is your show organized so that they can um, hopefully have some walk-bys? You're scheduling meetings most of the time. yeah. But I feel like some people at the show are kind of hoping for that opportunity that the right person walks by and they get to interact with them and pull them into their space, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, so one of the great things that we've done in the last five years is we've introduced this matchmaking service, which really takes a lot of the guesswork out of uh, hoping that somebody walks by, right?
0: Oh, so that's not new for the virtual show. That was something you always did.
2: It's something we always did, but, and we included it in virtual. But yeah, and we've been doing it for about five years, and we've been perfecting The, the software has been really getting perfected now. Uh, so what we find is, uh, and we really try to help new companies, new exhibitors, and new attendees as well. So you don't, you don't need to be an exhibitor to use that, the matchmaking. You can be an uh, attendee as well. But um, we really try to help educate folks ahead of time, particularly if they're an exhibitor, because we know that they've invested, you know, Mm -hmm. a a good amount of money and we want them to get return on investment. Right. Right. And so waiting, you know, in the old days, you know, 10 years ago, you go to a trade show and maybe you advertise, maybe you didn't uh, ahead of time. Uh, and you kind of were in your booth and you were hoping that people would walk by and you've seen this at trade shows, when you go to trade shows, mm-hmm. you know, there are personalities that are out there and they're, they're like, Hey, yeah. come talk to me. And then there's other right. folks who are introverts and they don't, they don't, they, they sort of are sitting at their booth and just hoping that people come over and talk to them. Right. So the matchmaking yes, take, yes. takes the guesswork out of it. It's like, you can, like, you will, Type in exactly what you're looking for. If I if I'm a if I'm a manufacturer, and I'm coming to Licensing Expo. I'm looking for kids' properties, um, let's say zero to five or five to ten or whatever the age range is. I'm looking for uh, something that will work for toys, for books, for whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and that will match up with who the companies are that are exhibiting, right? And then I can ask for an appointment right. with them. So um, the companies where, that that are using matchmaking are finding it amazing. They're setting up, you know, they're managing to do in in three days because typically our licensing expo is a three day show. They'll have eighty meetings in three days, and these are really high quality meetings. These are, you know, they're meeting with major retailers, they're meeting with major manufacturers. Right. Um, and what what we hear from so many of these companies is that in those 3 days most most of the business that they're doing happens in those 3 days it either starts as a conversation you know the deal the deals don't get done right. necessarily but the conversation gets started yeah. or or continues right so which is why there's such a demand for this show and which is why it's been so successful
0: i'm I'm curious what tips you might have for some of our first time attendees. If there's listeners to my show that think they might have something special, what tips would you give them?
2: So a couple of things. Uh, obviously, it depends on budget, right? I think PR public relations is really important, right? Um, shows uh, getting publicity ahead of time, and it doesn't really cost anything to to if you can you can actually you know go online. And, and get a tutorial on how to write a press release um, yourself. You don't need to hire a PR firm. I, I'm sure the PR firms out there are listening. Aren't
1: asking about
2: <laughs> me, but you, you, you can write a press right. release yourself, which is, you know, basically who, what, when, where, how, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, if you have a new, uh, a, a new product or a new idea, you want to get press. So, um, you know, certainly... You know, we have, we have a magazine called License Global. Uh, we try to cover everyone that we can. Uh, there are other licensing trades as well. So, getting pressed before the show is really important because you want to sort of get people interested.
0: You want them uh, when they see you on that matchmaking tool, they're like, I remember that logo. That, right? Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Or the, or the, or the name of yeah. or whatever it is, right? So, um, but, but again, the matchmaking, if you're going to, if you're going to spend the money on a booth, right, um, even if it's a small booth, take advantage of the matchmaking. It's free, it costs you nothing. Take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Set up as many meetings as you can. Um, you know, some may not seem like, oh, that might not seem like, but you, you never know. What when something's going to turn into gold, right? You just never know, and
0: you never know who someone knows exactly. They could take a liking to you and say, You know what? I like you, we may not be the best partner, but I'm going to introduce you to X, Y, and Z.
2: And don't be afraid to. Um, one of the things that I've always seen with particularly with people who have new properties is the fear of someone stealing their ideas.
0: Yes, oh, yes, talk to that. Go ahead.
2: Okay, so, so you know, getting people to sign them disclosure agreements is fine, but you know, it's only as good as the paper it's written on. If they're going to steal your idea, they're going to steal your idea. I know. And, and you're going to, so, so if you can either trademark or copyright, depending on what, what, whether it's an invention or whether it's a a concept illustration, do what you can at least, at least start the process, right? Mm -hmm. So that when you're talking in these meetings, you're making it clear to these people that, yes, I've already started the process. Most, most serious manufacturers won't even talk to you unless you've done that. Um, the other thing to be aware of is um, not everything is going to resonate and, and manufacturers and retailers don't want to take chances. So you, you need to think about like, you really need to hone in on what is your demographic? What, yes. what, what, what are you, where What exactly, you can't say, oh, this property is good for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's just, that's not going to fly with most people. You really need to get your pitch down, right? Um, And and again, you can do that. There's YouTube tutorials that will teach you how to do, you know, uh, elevator pitch.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, I have an elevator pitch on my website. And I also, in a couple of my episodes, explain to my listeners that it's so important to know who you're talking to before you pitch them. Right, right, right.
2: So, and, and look, inventors typically are, creator, are creative folks, right? They're not, they don't tend to have that business. I mean, it's very rare when you find the two that come together. Um, but, um, but you can then, you know what? Find someone who can represent you from the business perspective. In our business, in the licensing business, the business is really driven by agents. There's so many agents that exhibit at Licensing Expo, that um so an agents are basically just a middleman. They're business people who have great, great contacts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they put the deal together for you. Now they get a pretty good percentage of that deal. Typically it's anywhere from thirty to forty percent of the royalty, which <laughs> okay. sounds which sounds like a lot of money and it, and it is, it is a lot of money, but the work that goes into these deals mm-hmm. um is significant. It requires uh, talking to manufacturers, negotiating with manufacturers. It requires getting the retailer sold. Mm -hmm. Uh, The deal can take anywhere. It can go, it can take as long as 18 to 24 months to get done. Um, So that's why agents charge as much as they do. It is negotiable. Um, You know, if somebody has a really hot property and an agent really wants to represent it, they'll negotiate. They'll take, you know, less than their. 40%, 40%, they'll take 30%. Um, but, you know, do keep in mind that the agents are working hard uh, to make this happen. They don't get paid unless deals get done, unless products get sold at retail. So they're going to do the best possible deal they can for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're the property owner, if you're the inventor or property owner, it's up to you to decide if that's something you want to do, right? Uh, so you need, need to make those decisions and 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 then you need to kind of dictate to the agent exactly what it is your vision is, and then discuss it, right? Um, and, and the agent the agent will the agent's been in the business for a long period of time. They know what sells and what won't sell. They will help you greatly. Um, so I, I can't stress enough if you can get an agent to represent your property. Um, it's gonna take a lot of the stress off your life.
1: Yeah. You're not gonna
2: have to worry about trying to do the deal. You can actually focus on what you're good at, which is you know, creativity and, mm-hmm. and coming up with new inventions and new ideas and yeah. new concepts. Um so let let an agent who's really a business person do that for you and 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 take that stress off you. And and look, you know what? It's tough to say, well, I'm giving up 30 or 40 percent. But you're. That means you're still getting sixty percent of something versus a hundred percent of nothing. Right. I, I agree. Right. Do be aware though. Do be aware that there are um, some folks out there that represent themselves as agents, and they will ask you for upfront fees. Right. I, I would say be very careful about that. No. Yeah. Um. You know. And, and and you know you can and and you can always reach out to someone like myself. Um, you know I, I'd be happy to provide my email
0: oh that'd be reach great reach
2: out and and ask you know this person has proposed X deal to me what do you think I'm happy to comment on it um, you know I, 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 I because I've been in the business for 22 years I kind of know who the legit folks are and who who are kind of not so um, you know not so Uh, honest players are Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
2: you know there's a few bad apples in every industry and you have to watch out for them right uh but typically you'll know um you know you'll know uh if if they're you'll have a sense if they're asking you to get to provide them with upfront collateral i would just say no yeah
0: same most of the people i've heard are their motto is i don't make money unless you make money so
1: Yeah, yeah yeah exactly so
0: what is the cost of attending, let's say you're going to rent a small booth because your first show, what could you get in at?
2: Essentially, you can get all in for about $7,000. So okay. the, the rental of this, the way the way that we work as a, as a expo, we rent you raw space, okay? Um, you then have to get a table and chairs and, you know, depending on how complex your and how big your booth is, you, you need to rent. AV equipment, if you, let's see, uh, you have video that you want to show. All of that you have to do through the venue. That's not done through us. So if you're just looking for a basic small package, um, we can sort of provide you with a turnkey package for about $7,000, which would be, you know, uh, 10 by 10, 10 feet by 10 feet booth with carpet and a table and some chairs. Uh, and then you would do your own backdrops, if you will, right? Right. Um, which could be posters or whatever, whatever, be, whatever. I'd say it's about $7,000, but also do keep in, keep in mind that there's travel expenses because it's yeah. Okay. So, you know, if you want to stay on site at, in, in the hotel that's on site, which is Mandalay Bay, it's not inexpensive, about $220 a night. However, just down the street, you can stay at um, one of the other hotels that's literally you know just down the street for for you know fifty or sixty dollars a night right. uh, and then you know build in the fact that you have the airfare and meals and everything else. so you know all in, you're probably looking at ten thousand dollars for a basic you know to fly from wherever you are in the u s right. Uh, you know, get your hotel room, take your taxis back and forth to the airport and to the show uh, and pay for your meals, you know? And then, of course, it can, it's going to go up from there. So I would say, yeah, so all in about 10,000, which would include your your airfare, your hotel. I mean, assuming you're coming from domestically in the U.S., right? Um, you know, the nice thing about Las Vegas is um, it, it's, it was made for conventions, right? So it's, it's very easy. Once you get off the plane, literally the airport is 10 minutes from the strip uh, and you can get a hotel room on the strip for, you know, 50 or $60 a night, right?
1: um,
2: which is, you know, then it's a quick, quick taxi ride or Uber ride down to Mandalay Bay, which is where our, you know, Mandalay Bay is at the end of the strip, which is where the show takes place. So, you know and and you don't you know unless you're entertaining now if you're entertaining people that can get expensive right because right. The, the um there are expensive restaurants in Vegas and shows and everything else so
0: if you're interested in just attending the event for the first time if you're like I want to see what this is all about what is the cost to just attend the event
2: cost nothing
0: oh what no, I already knew that. I just wanted to hear you say
1: it.
2: Yeah, you Register, <laughs> register online, register online. As long as you, as long as you are, um, you know, within the, someone within the industry, right? Right. So, of course. Licensor, a licensee, a retailer, whatever. Inventor. An inventor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, come to the show for the first time. Come, come. Sign up for uh, Licensing University, which is our education program.
1: Yes, takes
2: place all four days of the show. I agree. Uh, It's put on. It's put on by our industry association, which is Licensing International. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to say the content is amazing, Um, and you will, if you want to, you really should learn about the business before you try to get into the business. Right.
0: Right. You can
2: learn so much about. You'll learn uh, licensing. They have a great licensing 101 course which basically teaches you an overview of the business. They have um, attorneys that will walk you through, you know, what it, what it takes to drop a contract or, or, or what's involved in contract, what royalty rates are, uh, how you track royalties. I mean, it's it's really um, it, it 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 will it will really open your eyes to. To what licensing is all about to just take this licensing university course i think um it's roughly about 250 dollars to sign up for the whole four days of the course and it's so worth it so worth. no that.
0: i think that would be really worthwhile and i think if any inventors are thinking about um, showing their ip or their product at the show it would also just be good to see what a successful or a high traffic small booth looks like just to see what that extra investment might be beyond the cost of the booth, the chairs and table, like are you putting up big posters and backdrops and are they having, how many employees are working at each booth? I think all of that would be great to see before you dive in.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So it's because you had this really successful virtual event, but you have a very successful in-person event, are you thinking about having more virtual events, maybe leading up to the main event or including a virtual component to your main event in the future? Yes.
2: So absolutely. Uh, and, um, you know, so we actually do events all throughout the year because as I mentioned, when we first started um, the interview, we have, uh, shows, uh, around the world. So we have, uh, our next show coming up is in London in October. Right now it's scheduled to take place physically. Uh, however, one thing we know for sure is, um, that it will, it that it most likely will not be as global as it has been right. in the past. Mm-hmm. So uh it it originally started 21 years ago as a local UK licensing event. Right. Um because actually the UK is the second largest market in the world believe it or not for licensing. Um <laughs> And so it started as a local event. And then when we, when our company bought it and we, um, we really started focusing on building the European attendees. And we were lucky because, um, because London is very easy to get to, uh, from the rest of Europe. Uh, it's really a hub. Uh, it's got, there's, um, four, four airports that go into London. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive for Europeans to fly into London. Mm-hmm. They can fly in and out. And So if you're flying in from Prague or from uh, Madrid or from Paris, you can literally fly in and fly out the same day. Um, and uh, so we were able to build into a pan-European event. Of course, our concern for this coming October is, will other European countries be able to come to London, right? right. Uh, will there be travel restrictions? We certainly know that probably less folks from the U.S. and Asia are going to be flying there. Right. So right now, <laughs> we're in the process of figuring that out. One of the things that we talked about doing is doing a hybrid event. So while we would have it live, a live event um, for the local U.K. folks that could come, uh, we would then also offer a virtual um, virtual meetings and, and virtual education sessions for folks from Europe and from the U S and Asia and Latin America that weren't able to attend. Mm-hmm. So that that's interesting for us in that, you know, how do you figure out, how do you do a hybrid? Right. right.
1: Um,
2: so we're, we're, we're learning and I have to tell you, it's really, um, you know, it's a brave new world out there. Right? Yeah.
1: It's,
2: it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so we're having fun while we're learning and um, and yes, we will be doing more virtual events because we see there's a real pent up demand and need for it. Yeah. So, so. Um, if 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 we get to uh, and we're going to make the decision in August. So when we get to August, okay. early August, uh, if we see that um, that travel in and out of the UK is not going to be feasible, we most likely will will make it virtual only. Uh, but we're, you know, right now there's a lot of positive signs we're seeing. Um, UK is is certainly trying to get back to normal. Uh, we're seeing a lot, we're seeing, um, we're hearing that Spain and, and Italy have both opened up for people to fly in and out of UK. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah.
0: And to close us out, could you tell us just some of the trends and things you saw at this show? I mean, I don't know what you could see or how you learned about um, the different trends, but what did you notice from this licensing week virtual?
2: I would say less property trends and more, um, really kind of e-commerce is a, is a a really critical. Agreed. E-commerce is really critical. Um, I would also say um, there are certain trends that we're seeing in, in say, um, in the toy business, for example, uh-huh. um, which is sustainability yes. is really important, super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's sort of started before, right before the pandemic. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, people have been talking about it for a while. But really, the toy industry, you saw it start starting to happen in Nuremberg and in, at New York right there. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, the floodgates have opened and it's going to just continue. It's really important. And so many toy companies have made major, major investments and commitments to it. So that's, that's going to be really important. Um, uh, also the whole idea of digital going physical. So, you know, whether it be a YouTube property, um, whether it be a video game property, um, they're, they're those properties that are are digital are being turned into physical, physical products,
1: Hmm. Uh, which
2: is interesting because for years and years and years, uh, the toy industry, the traditional toy industry saw the video game industry as being competitive to them. Right. Right. Um, And, and what's interesting is now they're, they're coalescing and coming together in the sense that when you see kids who play Minecraft or Toca Boca or, or, um, or some of the Lego video games, that's being created into product because, you know, um, people don't just want, people are getting set up the screens.
1: Yes. So true. they
2: want physical, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, um, physical is really important. You know, we're human beings and we need tactile. We need to touch and feel and, yes. and, and move things around. Uh, and so that's, that's a really interesting trend that I think we're going to see continue. Right, That's a
0: good point. I think because of the quarantine, people are realizing how much they appreciate, they appreciate slash miss the physical, like what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. and certainly then, I mean, just look, there are trends that have coming out of, that are coming out of the last three months, right. Mm-hmm. Which is, um that people have learned how to work from home. Right. People have learned how to do virtual meetings. People have mm-hmm. learned how to operate. Grandparents are learning how to use Zoom, right? <laughs> um so th- there I mean the, the whole virtual the whole idea of like virtual world was kind of been forced upon us. We didn't have a choice, right? Um it's all things that that have been slowly sort of, you know. They've been slowly happening, but it sort of sped up the process, right? Uh, and certainly, uh, and certainly when it comes to shopping, you know, the whole e-commerce and and to the point where you know people buying groceries online. I mean, if you lived in New York, I, I have family that lives in in New York City um, who were buying, you know, who just you know loved it. They love food and everything else, but they just couldn't trust to go out because mm-hmm. of the contagion and so they were buying all their groceries online buying everything online yeah um and and that's just going to continue i think i think now that people see that it can be done uh and then it works uh that it's just it's open the it's open the floodgates so agreed um yeah
0: well thank you so much for coming on the show today is there anything else you'd want to share with the listeners about upcoming events or anything
2: please um Subscribe subscribe to License Global if you want more information about licensing. It's free of charge. Everything we do is free um, for our, uh, for our uh, audience. So you can go to www.licenseglobal.com, sign up for our newsletters. So we have a daily newsletter. If you don't want to get a da- if you if you're not quite ready to get a daily uh, source of information, you can sign up for a weekly. Which is basically a compendium of the of the week's top stories and licensing. If you're based in Europe, you can sign up for a European e-newsletter. NE You'll see when you go to www.licensedgrubble.com everything that you can sign up for. But education is super critical. If, you know, uh, there was a uh, there used to be a clothing store called Sims, and Sy Sims was famous for saying, "An educated consumer is our best customer." Uh, we feel we feel that as well. Like the more you educate yourself, the better off you're going to be. Uh, and so we want to provide that level of education for you. Also, I would recommend, uh, if you're serious about being in licensing, look, go to, go to, um, licensing international, www.licensinginternational.com. That's our industry association. They have a tremendous amount of research that they do. Um, in fact, their, their, um, their global, uh, sales reports just came out, uh, uh, just came out last week, and they're reporting close to three hundred billion dollars a year in retail sales of licensed merchandise. So that's how large the industry is: wow. three hundred billion dollars a year in licensed products. Um, so yeah, I would, I would. Th- those two resources will really be helpful, I think. And then um, you know, if you're once you're subscribing to those two, you'll find out about everything that we do, all of our shows, our virtual shows our live events, um, you will learn everything there is to know. And again, if you'd like to, um, email me with any questions, I'm happy to take, uh, emails. Uh, it's my first name and last name at informa.com, which we can share, I guess. Yeah.
0: um, Great. I'll put all of that in the show notes so that everyone can have access right to the, your email and right to the links. That's great. That's a, a thank you so much. That's that's a fantastic offer.
2: Okay. Great. Good.
0: Yeah. So it was a pleasure having you on the show, Stephen. Yeah.
2: Cool. Thank you so much. It was, it was really a pleasure to be on. And um, I look forward to talking to you soon and seeing, hopefully seeing you at a, at a, at a live event. One
0: yeah. Day. I hope so too. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Now I hope you enjoyed this interview all about a virtual licensing week and the licensing expo. Now I want you to remember a few key points that we covered today you really, when you join this expo next year, you really want to take advantage of their matchmaking service. This matchmaking service is offered free of charge. It's included in your show fees and it helps exhibitors and attendees plan for a successful show. You can use this service to find and contact agents. Manufacturers, retailers, and even inventors, depending on what you're looking to get out of this event. And I want you to remember how important it is to generate some form of press before you attend licensing expo. You want to write your own press release and make it memorable so that the people attending the show are already thinking about your product. And when they go through that matchmaking service, you want them to identify your logo or remember your name and get excited when they see a message pop up from you requesting a meeting. Now, if you have any questions about licensing, Stephen was so generous to provide his email address. Just head over to the show notes at thetoycoach.com forward slash 23 to get all of the details. And you've heard me right. You no longer have to type in podcast. Just head right over to thetoycoach.com forward slash 23 for all of the links from today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate each and every week that you come back to this podcast and spend a little bit of time with me. Please leave a review in iTunes and tell me how much you love this podcast. I love hearing from you and I appreciate all of the messages that you send my way. Until next week, I'll see you later, toy people. Thanks for listening to Making It in the Toy Industry podcast with Ajelle Wade. Head over
2: to thetoycoach.com for more information, tips, and advice.
0: Hey, are you an aspiring toy inventor or toy entrepreneur? Then you should check out Toy Creators Academy, the first of its kind online program designed to help you develop and pitch your toy ideas. Head over to toycreatorsacademy.com to learn more.